anyone that I look up to, anyone I admire, anyone who succeeded at a level that I aspire to one day, they, the little daily things, they do them. The people who really get to those places, who end up on those interviews and who make that kind of money or whatever, they do the little things on a daily basis. So I'm building up evidence to justify what I know is the better behavior. And then with it, I normally go two steps before, like morning routines is something we've all heard about so much. And like the morning routines of the billionaire or whatever. You got to go a couple steps before. Well, what's the nighttime routine? If you want to have a really good morning routine, cool. What time are you going to bed? What time of day you're having your last coffee the day before? Are you on your phone or on Netflix or on YouTube for the last hour before bed? You need to go a couple steps before. And if you fix those, it's easy to get up on time. It's easy to feel focused and ready to go. Welcome into the free retiree show podcast episode 127 how to improve your everyday focus to achieve your goals we are your go-to podcast for your career your money i'm your host wealth manager lee michael murphy and i'm alongside my pal linkedin's best decision the one the only sergio patterson what is up everyone and of course everyone's favorite attorney hands down matt mcgillroy going on thank you so much for tuning into our show today we're going to be doing a career advancement edition so as you heard in the topic we're going to be talking about how you get laser focus how do you accomplish your goals through your focus we got a fantastic expert we have rob Gilbert. he's going to be coming on but guys i'm gonna start with both of you guys things that just devastate your focus what would they be i'm just asking you two guys like there's something out there that just kind of throws you off your game. What is it? Maddie, go first. My, my phone. The phone is the single worst killer. Like I'll notice, I just pick it up sometimes. And I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I touching this thing? I don't know. It's like, it's just going on or I'm losing the word right now, but it's just, I don't even think about it. Yeah. For me, I'm going to copy you on that one too. But specifically Bleacher Report is my uh, guilty pleasure for you guys that don't know. That's like a sports app. It gives you yeah, like, sports good updates. I can get caught in that in the middle of the day when I'm supposed to be my most productive half hour goes by 45 minutes goes by. What am I doing? Why am I reading on Kevin Durant? Where is he going? Why should I care about this? Serge? Yeah. Phone for sure. The other thing is my six-year-old daughter, but actually both my kids, they're both distracted. Are you allowed to say that? I hope your wife demolishes you for this, but you can add her to the list too. (laughs) Oh, dropping uh, bombs. No, dropping no, no. Bombs. I think the phone is for sure one. And then anyone who has kids, that's just the honest truth. Like, yeah. it, it's it, a safe it, place there, Jeff. Yeah. Maybe distraction is the wrong word, but I think they can throw me off my game. If I'm okay. really trying to focus, my daughter might run in the office, throw me off my game. That's all I mean. Blaming it on the kids. Disclaimer. Okay. That's it. Okay. We all got our different uh, focus areas that we need to work on, but we're going to be going over that today. Rob's a fantastic expert in this space. He's going to give you the tips. They're going to help you stay focused, get more done, achieve your goals. The other thing we'll be discussing today is how to establish and create unwavering confidence and self-esteem. A lot of us struggle with that. I'm just going to ask attorney Matt McElroy. You're a rather confident fella. I mean, I want to get your tips before we bring Rob on. Just for the listeners, he used to don Speedos on a regular basis, walking through his neighborhood. He drives a Hummer. He has a tattoo of a beach scene on his rib cage. This is screams confidence. But Matt, how do you do it every day? Well, it's funny you say all that because, you know, when I first started being an attorney, confidence was not there. I was dealing big time with imposter syndrome. I'm in a room with attorneys that are 20 to 30 years experience. And I generally just didn't know what I was doing at the time as much as, much as I do now. And you just, that's one of those things that law school teaches you great theory, but the practical application is a completely different world. And so... Um, 
yeah, something I definitely struggled with for the first couple of years in the whole imposter syndrome stuff. And just like, oh, wow, do I really deserve to be here with these other guys that are partners at firms and all this other stuff? But and then it's just a kind of funny story that Lee can kind of relate to is I had bought a car from Lee. God, when, how long ago was it? That Honda Civic? Oh, the, yeah, oh yeah, years ago. Yeah, I was in law school. I think I was in like my second year of law school and you guys gave me an amazing deal on it. And it like saved me because my car had broke down. And car. Honda Civic, yes. I was Honda Civic smashed in the front, smashed in the back. The front was my fault. The back was Lee's fault. True. But it was just, the reason I bring that up is because, you know, when I was at my first job, I would park in a valet parking garage and people would be like, what the hell is he valeting that piece of shit for? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, mean? I was my smashed night, you know, 2000 Honda Civic, or is it, I think it was 2003 Honda Civic, <laughs> parked next to Maseratis, Corvettes, Teslas. It was just like, that didn't help the imposter syndrome. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I can sympathize with that, man. Oh, wow. Or showing up at a deposition with a rinky dink Civic when everybody else has got Mercedes and everything else. Yeah. Just, I mean, we've all been there, but yeah, that, that was, that's tough being in the attorney world. I bet. Yeah. It's hard I was better to get call confidence. Saul, dude. Well, thank God today we got Rob coming on and Rob, he's helped 250 plus entrepreneurs in a dozen countries help grow their business to a successful status. He's also the author of the best-selling book, Die Before They Do. Got that, love that title, man. It stands out, a little scary, but yeah, I like it. And he's helped foster culture at some of the best tech companies in the world, award-winning ones. And he is the man on you know, how you become successful and build a profitable business and just have a better everyday life. And the best thing I think I, that stands out about his bio, a DJ for Burning Man, Wow. Yeah. A former DJ back in the day. So he's going to have, he's going to have some great stories. Maybe I'll share those with you, but without further ado, Rob, how are you doing this morning? Thank you for coming on our show. Thank you, Lee. I'm doing well. Super appreciate being here with you and the other guys. I'm in great spirits today. Awesome. And we'll start off the first question. No. So being the DJ at Burning Man, is it as awesome as it seems? It is because I've been was collecting and sharing music for as long as I could remember from early childhood days. Music saved me in a lot of ways. It got me away from problems at home, got me from depression, helped me meet amazing people. So it was such a big part of my life. And then getting to share music at somewhere like Burning Man, where people are acting free spirited, they're in costumes, they're not talking or thinking about their stresses at home. And it's just such a creative outlet where it really feels that anything truly is possible. So it is just as incredible as you think it would be. I've always heard the stories. It's, it's nice to actually meet someone that was a focal point. Yeah. Of, isn't it, like, isn't it happening soon, Rob? It's yeah, like yeah, it happens at the end of August. It happens the week leading up to Labor Day weekend every year. Okay. Yeah. I have a coworker who's going, he's, he talks about it in pretty much every meeting. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so Rob, let's talk about getting focused, right? The importance of it. You're a career coach. You help mentor people. You help get more done, establish more milestones in their lives. Talk to us about the importance of focus and your view on it. So it's just so important because we have a finite amount of time and a finite amount of energy. And maybe my favorite explanation to say is outside of my house here, a couple blocks away, there's a corner store. And if my goal was to get to that corner store and I walked out of my front door and I took two steps in one direction and then turned around and took two steps in one direction and then turned around and then, oh, but then I went five steps the other way and turned around. I would never get to the store. I'd never get to the destination unless by some kind of dumb luck or sheer accident, or it could take me years. And it's the same thing with the amount of time you have in the day. And you can say you want to do all these different things and say they're all a priority, but which one? At any given time, you can really only have one priority. And 
when you dial in your focus, your time, and your energy, you can get more done sometimes in an hour than you can in four or six. And we've all done it. We've put something off. We thought about doing it. We knew it was important. We said we'd do it. And then we sat down to do it and it took six minutes. And if you dial in your focus and stop interruptions, like it's funny to joke about your kids and your wife being, because it's true. It's anything that interrupts you. The internet, our phones are magic. The way that we're connected, the way that Lee, you and I first met, and like, like I haven't met Sergio or Matt before is thanks to this. It is incredible. That's how I have clients around the world. It's how I've grown my business. It's, but it's also detrimental to focus. So being aware of it. And then there's a bunch of things I could talk about and share as far as like, then how you dial it in, but it is everything. It really is everything. And anytime I, I work with a new mentor, I work with a new coach. Cause I'm still working with people. Like I'm helping all sorts of people. I'm, it's one of the number one things. They're always trying to dial this thing in as far as no one thing, focus on one thing, do one thing incredibly well. What is your main focus at any point in time? And it's the variety of the three of you, you've all the different careers, you've all got different backgrounds, I'm sure there's different things you're interested in. You can do it all. You just can't do it all at once. Like I, my book, we mentioned my book briefly. I wrote the first draft in 43 days because I shut everything down and I made it. That was my focus. I was going to write that thing and I had a goal in mind and I really got hyper, hyper focused to make it happen. Rob, how do you think about prioritization? I think that's the other thing that gets me on a weekly, just like a daily basis is I'll have 15 things I want to tackle. And then I have them on a list, but then it's like, how do you think about prioritizing what you want to get done or that goal or whatever it may be? Yeah, it's funny. I've got a to-do list, but it's more like a, just get it out of my mind list. And I don't work off a to-do list anymore because you, what ends up happening, it's either, oh, I kind of feel like doing something and it's like sixth thing on the list and you know, it's not that important. Or it's, and I'm looking at the things I want to do or need to do and the prioritization is what is the one thing that's truly going to move the business forward? What's the one thing that's going to have way more impact? What's the one thing that if I do it, it makes a bunch of those other things not nearly as important. So I still use a list to dump crap out of my mind. So then if it's out of my head and on a list somewhere, I'm not going to think about it. And then every morning I wake up and I write, two, maybe three things. If I do these two things today, when I go to bed tonight, I feel good that I've really moved the ball further down the field, that I've really made some kind of difference, that I've really made some kind of impact. And then in combination with there's certain things that I do every single day, no matter what, because they're so important to my business. And those things, I joke sometimes to people that I sleep, I eat, I meditate, I do some structures and exercises. I tell my partner, I love her. And I send connection requests on LinkedIn. And I do some focus writing time. There's a couple of these things that like, it doesn't matter if I'm publishing content or not, I'm writing every day. And it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. I'm sending connection requests on LinkedIn every day. That's the main platform that I connect and work with people. So yeah, habits, routine, making routine, some of the most important things that are moving things forward. And then yeah, the 15 listing, it's overwhelming. What's the one or two things that are really important that are going to move things forward? And then making it a priority. And then when it's done, cool, you can put something else to the top spot, to the second spot. That's a good point. One thing that you were saying is we only have so much energy, right? And so when you have these to-do lists and these things that you got to do, I've noticed something that I've done in the past and I try to stay away from now is that I'll kind of burn myself out on the littler things before I get to the big thing. And then by the time I get to the big thing, I'm like, God, I got no gas left at the day. And I think that that's a common mistake that a lot of people that make. And I probably prioritizing those, that's probably important. It's a really good point. A lot of people have spoken about it. There's a famous productivity book. It's older. It's called Eat the Frog. And it, the whole premise is about well, what is the main thing? You know what it is. You might have some hesitation around doing it, but you know that once you do it, you're going to feel better and everything's going to move forward. I think Jim Rohn has a people majoring in minor things. And that's what you're talking about. It's like 
focusing on the little things and maybe you get the endorphin hit from scratching it off your to-do list, but it wasn't really the important thing. It wasn't the thing that's going to make a difference. It's not the thing that's going to allow you to spend more time with your family or be able to take that extra vacation or to impact more people's lives or whatever it is that you're doing in your life, your business or whatever. That's exactly what it is. Those smaller things are easier to check off for me. And then I'm like almost deflecting the bigger problems that I need to tackle. Thank you. You're tricking yourself like i got something done <laughs> yeah <that's spot laughs> is it really that important though something that's helpful with that that i've found too is that so that bigger thing it's sometimes nebulous it's like this big hairy thing god what is it and you can start overthinking it and for me i'm looking for the on-ramp what is the small two minute thing that is the first part of that what's the first little step that i could do in less than five minutes that'll move me because if you then i can get the endorphins of yeah i did that little thing but i also know that if I start, I'm more likely to continue. And like a small example that I'm thinking of right now, because I'm in our kitchen right now, and I'm looking at the sink. If I let the sink get overwhelming with dishes and I'm like, oh God, I really got to do that. And Melissa's going to get pissed off. I haven't done it. I, instead of being like, I'm going to do all the dishes because I've been avoiding, I'm like, I'm just going to wash one dish. I'm going to wash that one plate. And I know I'm kind of lying to myself. And it's the same thing. If I have something to write, something I got to create. And so I got to rewrite this whole lesson for my program. Well, this is a big thing. I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to put, I'm going to make three bullet points. The, the, my to-do is I'm going to make three bullet points on this thing that I'm trying to do today. But then I know that I, one, I can scratch it off. But then if I write those three bullets, there's a good chance I'll probably end up writing 10 bullets. If I write for 10 minutes and I more likely end up writing for a half hour or 45 minutes. It's kind of like a, a momentum, right? Like yeah. Big time. Rob, it's tough to stay focused on the more important things. Like I think Serge alluded to it. So like I find myself doing the same thing. Like there's tasks that probably aren't as important, but I think a lot of times my thought is like, oh, just get some small base hits, get the emails done, print out these forms and sign them. But in the whole grand scheme of things, I mean, it may be probably not the most important things, but I feel like I can trick myself into thinking a lot of this these tasks are important i don't know when i know that they're not important you can get caught in that web how do you have people avoid that like kind of tricking the themselves into believing what they're doing is productive when it's really not or just asking questions as far as we what happens if you do that task what happens if you don't do that task what's the worst case scenario if you ignore this thing for six weeks what's the worst case scenario if you ignore that thing and just you start asking questions and shining a light on it and you can pretty quickly get to, actually, that's more important or that's less important. And the tricking yourself with the email is such a great example, right? Because like, it feels good. But the problem with that is that's other people's priorities normally. That's other people's asks from you. And if you start the day with your phone, if you start your day in your inbox before you look at what are my two priorities for the day, even if you check those things off and you feel good, like, oh, I got them, you're still you're thinking about it. And you're like, there's that one that you didn't respond to that you're going to respond to later. That's stealing time, that's stealing energy versus if well, there's one or two things that take a bit more focus and you need to be really in the zone, the sooner you can get to it or the least amount of crap you can have between you and doing that thing. Because yeah, like looking at your 15 to-do list, looking in your inbox, checking notifications on LinkedIn or Instagram, like you're done, you're toast. Like your mind has already collected 150 little things. That's great. And I also feel like, I don't know if you guys are all the same, but like after you go through these tasks that can take some time, like hours, you're mentally not as focused. I mean, I feel like I lose a little bit of my edge for the tough tasks, the ones that require more brain power. Is it, do you guys feel the same way? 
Or is that just yeah, it's just like it's a mental endurance <laughs> yeah. thing, right? And I think it's like a, kind of what we're saying, or it like kind of in its like bare form is that it's almost like a form of uh, procrastination because we're taking yeah. the little things to put off the big thing. Like it's, I know I do that too because I'll have a big project that I'm just like dreading that I know it's just going to be like pulling teeth out. And I'll put a bunch of little things in front of it because I just don't want to do it. Yet. Yeah, it's like short. I think those little wins are like short endorphins, like you guys, someone said that earlier. Like it just feels good for five minutes. Then you realize you have the big things to still do. Rob, something you touched on earlier was the importance of routine. I love having a routine, but I struggle with maintaining that routine. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you've set those routines and like how you actually are consistent with them? Yeah. So there's a couple things reminding myself that anyone that I look up to, anyone I admire, anyone who succeeded at a level that I aspire to one day, they, the little daily things, they do them. Like they don't ignore them. And we always think it's no, he got invited on that one podcast. He had that one moment. He met this one person that it's no, the people who really get to those places who end up on those interviews and who make that kind of money or whatever, they do the little things on a daily basis. And the more of those people that I look at, that I examine, who bi biographies I read, I keep finding more and more evidence of it. So there's, I'm building up evidence to justify what I know is the better behavior. And then with it, I normally go two steps before, like morning routines is something we've all heard about so much. And like the morning routines of the billionaire or whatever, you got to go a couple steps before. Well, what's the nighttime routine? If you want to have a really good morning routine, cool. What time are you going to bed? What time of the day you're having your last coffee the day before? Are you on your phone or on Netflix or on YouTube for the last hour before bed? Like you, you need to go a couple steps before. And if you fix those, it's easy to get up on time. It's easy to feel focused and ready to go the next day. If you're going a couple steps before. Yeah. And just the, the environment that you're around. So the three of you tight, you've known each other for a long time. So who are you spending time with? What are they prioritizing? Are they on like on a routine? Are they structuring their life or are they just loosey goose kind of going with the flow and your environment really, it really does make a difference with who you are. Because I can tell you if the four of us were hanging out, we did this call every week and we're hanging out. And every time we're hanging out, if me, Sergio and Matt, were always talking about our routines and how much we got done and how we're increasing our focus. Shit, Lee, you're going to be like, I got to step it up. I want to like, it's this weird tribal thing that you don't want to be excluded. So the people that you surround yourself with and them talking about it, it makes a big difference too. On that thing, the last, yeah, speaking of the people, like I just, with my partner, Melissa, like these are non-negotiable hours. Like I, I cannot be interrupted. This is a must for me to the point, like I wish I could take the camera and show you on the back of my laptop. I have this little thing that she bought and it slides like red or green. So if I'm somewhere and even if I'm like in the basement and I'm working on my laptop and she doesn't know, is he on Reddit or is he writing something important? I have this little slider as if it's on red, it's do not disturb. And she knows not to interrupt me. And that was hers because it was so funny. We were getting into fights and there were stupid fights that would turn into bigger fights because she doesn't know, am I on my laptop wanting to focus or am I messing about? She had have no idea. And then if I was in a focus zone, then I'd get pissed off. And then it's not fair because I'm kind of mad at her. She didn't know if I was working. That's, That's awesome. awesome. I, ha I have an open close sign on my, on the outside of my door, so the, like the business yep. signs, but they uh -huh. just ignore it. They don't. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what if they don't respect it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do not respect it. harsher consequences if they're not respecting it. This is true. I need, <laughs> yeah, I need to put you, in some You need the light. You need a little electric fence to go along with but that that sinks with the light i'll teach them kids right you keep them out i'm gonna tell them what uncle lee said yeah. <laughs> i'm just gonna say one of one of the things that i think uh, rob kind of mentioned but i think that we didn't say exact 
is that sleep is a huge part of it. You're talking about going to bed early and having that nighttime routine. I've noticed that when I'm more focused and conscientious on getting as close to eight hours as I can, I perform better. And when I don't get that, when I'm struggling and I'm getting four or five hours a night because I'm just overdoing it, my endurance goes down too. There, I mean, as far as my mental endurance, like my mind is mushed by the end of the day. And so I think that's a, for maintaining focus, I think sleep is such a huge component. You can't overstate that because if you think about all the stuff we we're talking about, how do you do the things that, you know, you're dreading is important that you feel some resistance against. If you're tired, forget it. And diet is another one of those funny things too. If you want to be eating clean, eating healthy, feeling strong, if you're tired, nah, man, you're going to go for grease. You're going to go for sugar. You're going to go for that quick hit. So sleep really is a big one. I'm glad that you highlighted it because it, it affects everything. It really does. So Rob, the most important things that we need to do, like those things that are going to help us accomplish those big, audacious, important goals. Do we set those up at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day? What's the best way to go about that? So you're really accomplishing things that are important. What's working best for me right now is the night before. I've done really great productive streaks where the morning of, it was the first thing that I did. But right now I'm in a streak that's working well. It's like the night before I'm looking at, okay, these are the two most important things tomorrow. And then I'll even make sure that my laptop is set up optimized for it, where I've got site block. I've got a site blocker plugin that I use that blocks all of the, the places where I could be wasting time. Cause it's not just the phone. The funny thing is like, you find yourself on your phone. Okay. I'm going to put this in another room and then you get it on your laptop and then you go waste time on stupid parts of the web. So I'll have my clear what my first, my two priorities are. I'll have the site blocker on, and then I'll have Evernote up. Like I'll have closed everything on my laptop. I've closed everything in Evernote's the thing that's open because Evernote's where I go do thinking, where I do typing, where I'm like, I do writing of content or whatever. So that when I turn on the beast, the first thing that I end up doing and I'm looking at is the thing that I want. So yeah, the night before, for me, it seems like I feel like I'm subconsciously kind of thinking about it while I sleep. So then I wake up, I'm like, oh yeah, those are my two things today. And I'm like a little robot, an obedient robot who's still waking up, and, but I'm moving towards that. And the idea from that, actually speaking of habits, uh, James Clear, author of Atomic Habits. I'm sure you've all heard the book. The book is, mm -hmm. I don't know, like five or 10 million crazy copies right now. Like it's one of those books that's going to be talked about for decades. I had the good fortune of meeting him briefly in late 2019. He came to talk at the university here. The book was doing well, selling well, but I don't think he'd cracked a million copies yet. Like it wasn't at the level of insanity in an hour. It seems like everyone and their mother knows about it. And it was super cool and amazing to hear him talk about his own structure. And there was two things that really stood out. One is that every Monday, his assistant changes his passwords to all the social media sites, and he does not have access for the week. And he gets access again oh, on Friday if he's done the things that he said he wanted to do that week. Wow. One. And two, this is like guy who spent a decade researching habits, writing about habits, thinking about habits, working on this book, a habits guru, if you will, like really like top dog in the world of habits. And he talked openly about how his day can be made or ruined based on what he does first thing in the morning. He's like, it's either I open my laptop, I get an Evernote and I'm starting to write on stuff. Maybe working on a blog, I'm writing on a chapter book or whatever. If I do that, there's like this positive cascading domino effect for how the rest of my day goes. And I feel good because I did work. So I do more stuff and then I'm feeling it. And then, or he's like, I open my laptop and I go on ESPN. And then if I do that, if I'm doing on ESPN at 6.15 in the morning, my whole day's fucked. That's it. Like it's all day. I'm chasing my own tail, trying to get caught up and feeling bad because I knew I wasted the morning and I'm not really getting anything done. And I'm in his, and he's, he knows all the stuff. So he really regulates his environment 
to serve him because he knows the difference if whether it's ESPN or Evernote, like it'll make or break his day. That's fantastic. I love how the passwords change. Yeah, that's a really good one. (laughs) Rob, the other thing I was thinking about in terms of distractions are kind of like the outside of the everyday life distractions, like what's going on in the world Mm. and how sometimes like, yeah, I know you're in Canada. It's probably not as big of a shit show there as it is here, but there's so much going on around us. Like, how do you try to like, block some of that stuff out so that you can, or maybe you let it in. I don't know. I, for me, I feel like it's every day there's something new going on and letting that kind of impact my day to day. What are your thoughts there? I don't know if that question makes sense, but it makes so much sense. And it's, and I understand it. And it's funny, like I'm in Canada, so I'm sheltered, right? Like we have a different government. I'm a different country. Like there is a difference. However, a lot of your media makes its way here because you're the biggest media producer in the world. And two, a bunch of my clients are in the U S So the last month, six weeks, I've had some really difficult calls with clients who are like trying to work on stuff in their business, but they're sad. There's someone's like, I've just been crying all day. I don't know how to look myself in the mirror and be proud that I'm here because they're struggling with some of the things that are going on with the violence or what's going on in the Supreme Court or whatever, like people are struggling. So even though I'm a bit sheltered, I'm not fully removed from it. There's two things. One is just the realization and full acceptance that all of it, all of the news it's got one goal and it's to make us feel upset and to make us emotional and to make us pissed off and to make us distracted. And as long as we're in those states of mind and states of energy, then we're not doing anything productive. We're not asking bigger questions. We're not demanding more from those who are in power. So realizing that it is the most rigged game as far as them just trying to piss you off, anger you, distract you. And then I just, I dial it down. You want to know what's going on. You don't want to be a complete hermit, but how many minutes or hours do you need a day or a week on news sites? How much time do you need to consume that? And just, it's a spectrum. It's not on or off. Like I'm not going to be completely insular, but I think I'm okay if I check news sites like once a week or twice a week for a short period of time. I like that. Smart. Yeah. You just got to turn it off, turn the CNN and all the other ones off. Yeah. Right. Look how quick they went from COVID fear to the Ukraine war. And like, I'm vaccinated. I'm like, I believe in science, but it was wild to me how quick it was like COVID death. COVID is like, <laughs> oh, we got someone new. Bring Ukraine roar to the stage. Oh, death. Da, 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 da. And like, that's terrible too. Like, I know someone who lost their, lost their condo, lost their livelihood. I know people in Ukraine. Like I have friends there. It's terrible what's going on there. But also, do you need to have the CNN stream on 24 seven with the body count, with the death toll, with the fear mongering, with the, come on. It's a lot. Like, it's draining. Rob, thank you so much for these tips on the focus. We're going to shift gears now and talk about the confidence. Like I was saying in the beginning, there's di- people have different levels of confidence. I mean, I Matt, I, he's thank you for being vulnerable, but that tattoo on your ribcage of the beach scene and the, the Hummer, I just feel like a man of great confidence, but thank you for being vulnerable. With us Either that or I'm overcompensating, right? <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it like that. But getting that confidence, Rob, like how do we get that? If we might be struggling with it. Like Matt made a great point in the beginning of his career. He's with all these really like successful attorneys and in the parking garage with <laughs> my old terrible car and it's tough sometimes for, for a lot of people to gain that confidence whether they're entering a new field or maybe they've been in it for years you hear about people that still struggle so what's your tips for that there's two paths to go at that and the first one is just acknowledging realizing and accepting that you're supposed to suck when you're starting something new and you're new at something and you're doing something for the first few times You're supposed to be crappy at it. That is normal. That is expected. And once you 
accept that, then that can relieve some of the pressure. And the other piece is that I love that Matt gave this example because the other part of it, it comes down to comparison. It comes down to worrying about what other people are going to think and it worries about the judgment of others. And that's where we always fall into the worst traps is because whether it's in the office comparing to someone else who's got 20 years more experience in the parking lot or on Instagram where it's like comparison hellhole all the time. So if you realize that, then it's okay. Well, what can you do to dial down the impact of the comparison? And it comes down to being really clear on who the heck you are. Like what is really important to you? What are your values? When push comes to shove, when like it hits the fan, what is truly important to you? Is it family? Is it, is it empathy? Is it your health? The values, sometimes I think people think about some corporation that's got some five words engraved on the wall. No one knows what they mean or why they're there or who chose them. But to you, what are your actual values? What are your principles? Because then you can use that as a compass for your life. Two, do you like yourself? Do you, can you look in the mirror and say, I like this person? I mean, how I even love this person. Can you accept yourself? for who you are, even when you are 20 pounds heavier than you wish you were, even when your hair has fallen out and you don't have the youthful, youthful curls that you had when you're younger, do you like and love who you are as a human? And then the last part is building actual trust with yourself. It means keeping your word. It means if you say you're going to do something, you deliver. If it means if you're going to be there for someone, you're going to be there for someone. It means that if you say you mean it, because if you dial that in, this like knowing who the heck you are, what's really important to you, liking who you are, and having this, yeah, I know, I like myself. It doesn't matter if I'm skinnier or fatter, my hair or whatever. Like, I, I like who I am and I forgive myself for my past mistakes and I accept that I'm doing the best that I can. And if you're keeping your word to yourself and you're keeping your promises to yourself, it's really hard for someone else to come in and mess with you. It's really hard to fall into that comparison trap. It's really hard to care too much about what other people think because you've got that dialed in internally. And that's way more powerful than a shiny new car or a six pack or a hot girlfriend on your arm or like whatever, all those external things that we chase that we think are going to make us feel more confident. So that's really great advice. You just really got to believe in yourself pretty much, right? And then trust that you're going to be able to do okay no matter what and just trust your instincts. But working at it, that's it, right? Because like believing yourself, well, that sounds really simple, but you're right. But then I'm like, how do I do it? Well, then, well, who is myself? What's really important to me? Because I can tell you there's some people that really value creativity and there's other people that really value efficiency. Neither is right or wrong, but they're really different. And if creativity is really important to you and efficiency is really important to someone else, like you're different people. Like, who are you? Like, is family really important to you? Cool. Get clear on it. Then act like it. Then make time for your family. Then actually call your mom. Then actually sit down and spend time on the floor with your kids and play with them and get into the world. Like figuring out who the hell you are. And then, yeah, like we all have hangups. We all have, I wish I didn't say that awkward thing 15 years ago. And I was a bit of an asshole to that person, in that relationship. And uh, I'm carrying this baggage with my dad. Like figure that stuff out, sort that stuff out. Because it's way easier to believe in yourself if you're doing that stuff. And then just keeping promises. We've all done it. We set a goal. I'm going to, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do whatever. Those are the ones that come to mind, but we all have some version of that. I'm going to start getting up at a certain time, I'm, but start making small promises to yourself and keeping the promises to yourself. Cause then you you're creating this inner trust with yourself. And yeah, you do these things and you take the little steps towards it. Then it's okay. It's okay. If someone like judges you, it's okay. If someone laughs at your car, cause you got it dialed in internally. It's, it's hard to mess with. That's such great advice. Yeah. I didn't really realize that before, but I think for me, I'm thinking about people that I know that just throughout the years, they fall on hard times and they blame it on all these external factors like this happened. And granted, like anytime a close friend or someone I know is on hard times or they feel like 
luck isn't on their side. I always sympathize. I feel terrible for them. But then I feel that now that you mentioned this, there's a common thread with a lot of these people and they don't make, they don't uphold the promises to themselves. They're constantly breaking their own promise. I mean, I don't know if you guys have uh, realized that, but I just know a lot of people that seem to not be able yeah. to uphold the promises and then it ends up spiraling and then they just feel like I'm a worthless piece of crap. And everyone's entitled to feel like that at some point, but maybe some that aren't able to do what Rob's saying, hit it more frequently and it hits a little bit harder. It's a great point because it's true because if it, we all can have those ups and downs, life's going to throw us a curveball. There's no pretending that there's not going to be difficult periods. Someone's going to get in a car accident. Someone's going to pass away. The client's going to leave. You're going to lose a job. Like, the, of course, like that's life. But then how you react, how quickly you bounce back, your ability to bounce back is way harder if you're just never keeping any promises to yourself and you're never doing the things, the little things that you say you're going to do. You mentioned comparison. I was thinking how big of an impact social media has had on people's confidence. I just, I don't even care anymore. I'm old now, but I think a lot of people are scrolling, right? And they're like, oh, this person's in Europe or this person has a shiny new car. And I think that is really something that is impacting mental health, confidence, all the things, mm -hmm. because it's, they're only showing the best part of their lives. Yep. Right. When there's all kinds of shit going wrong behind the scenes. That's this is so true. The highlight reel thing, right? And we're all guilty of it. We're doing something cool or fun or we're, so we share the thing, but it's, it's all highlight reel. So it is hard. And the more time you spend scrolling, the more likely you are to be comparing, even if you don't even realize it, like subconsciously, right? It's not like you're, Sometimes you'd be like, oh, damn, they're in Europe. I'm not. But a lot of the times it's subconscious. We don't even realize it. And it's just, it's chipping away at you. What's helped me so much is I'm grateful from the work that I do and the kind of people that trust me. And I'm working with clients that are super successful, people that are multimillionaires, people that are at the top of their game in different fields, people that have achieved a level of success that I didn't even know was previously possible. And the more I am running in these different circles, I'm working with people, trust me. And then I hear what's really going on. I see what's posted online and then I hear what's really going on in the personal life. I know what they're really stressed about. Like, I know the nitty gritty and seeing that behind the curtains view is, has helped me a whole lot to be able to, when we're looking at Instagram or wherever, I'm like, yeah, this is just a show. Rob, can you give us a bit about your book? Your best-selling author, we kind of didn't highlight that really as much as we should have, but man, you can write, you, people like what you write. So why don't you tell us about your book? Awesome, glad to. So yeah, you mentioned the title, which... It was like, oh, that's interesting. It's called Die Before They Do, From Selling Drugs to Lunch with Jim Carrey, Stories of Struggle, Near-Death Experiences, and Creating a Life with Meaning. So writing a book was something that I wanted to do for a long time. Like many people, something was like kind of on my goals list, and I thought about it and wanted to. And then last year, I got serious. It was like one of the three sticky notes I put on the wall for the year. Like, I really want to write a book this year. Started speaking to book coaches, started speaking to other authors, started speaking to so many people. And the good advice I got from multiple people was, hey, Rob, you've got programs. Hey, Rob, you've got these coaching things. Like, just take one of your programs, put it into a book. Most of it is written already. And it'll be this great thing for the top of funnel of your business. As far as attracting new clients, it's done. And I got the advice from multiple people. And I tried that for a minute. I tried and I sat down like, but it was draining. I was forcing myself. It really felt... It felt like punishment. It felt like homework. I wasn't enjoying it at all. And then around the same time, my partner, Melissa, was pointing out that whenever I share stories of some of my personal struggles and trials and tribulations online, that really connects with people. And then I thought about, huh, that's right. Because I think about the DMs I get from people thanking me, about talking publicly about my struggles with mental health and suicide, about my challenges with alcohol before, and how that really 
made other people feel connected and feel human. So I sat and realized like, huh, what if it was a collection of short stories? So I never set out to write kind of an autobiography, but it's kind of what it turned out to as far as like my life so far. And it's a collection of stories of all these crazy things I've done and places I've gone and things I've learned. And that's the premise of the book. And it's awesome. It's got a whole bunch of five-star reviews and it's been sold in, I don't know, like 11 or 12 different countries. And it feels good because people tell me they enjoy reading it. When they pick it up, they can't put it down. And people share all sorts of ways that it's helped them in their personal lives and their businesses and their relationships. And it feels good to have it out there so much so that I said to my partner when it was done and I was getting the feedback from people, I was like, I could die happy now. I don't want to. I want to spend more hours talking with her, laughing with her. I want to see more sunsets. I want to see my kids get older. I want to explore the world or whatever. But I was like, I could die happy now because I knew that I put something out there that was making a difference. That's amazing. It gave you that much of a sense of fulfillment. Yeah, it really did. Fantastic. How can people search you out, Rob, if they want to learn more about you and get in contact with you? So if you want to search me out, if you look up my name, it's Rob with two B's, R-O-B, and then G-I-L-B-E-A-R of all the online places. The place that I spend the most time, that I love the most, that I'm most grateful for is LinkedIn. LinkedIn really is my primary online hang, but I am a little bit on Instagram and other places. But yeah, if you search my name online, you'll find my book, you'll find other things, you'll find stuff on YouTube, et cetera. But LinkedIn's my main, current main online hang. Amazing, Rob. Thank you so much for coming on our show today, bud. We love all the advice that you've given us. I, I had so many aha moments today. I know the guys, you guys too. How, what do you guys feel? Yeah, it's a great concept, yeah. no doubt. Thank yeah. you. It's cool. It's cool that the three of you have been friends for so long and that you all have different skill sets and you're all working together to be able to you know, like obviously help each other, but obviously all the, your listeners and all the people tuning into the show, that you're bringing all your strengths together to help people, which is really cool. Thank you, man. We appreciate sure. it. Thank you. Yeah. You've been listening to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated. Member FINRA, www.finra.org. SIPC, www.sipc.org. A separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Facebook, Inc. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and Company.